Welcome to this emergency bonus edition of Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. We pulled Dan Klein off a cruise ship to let us know what's going on. Dan, today WWE stock is down 22%. What is going on? Oh, well, so unexpectedly, absolutely out of nowhere, they fired their presidents. They had co-presidents uh, who had steadily risen up through the company, a former chief revenue officer, chief financial officer, and they were sort of the leading forces in the day-to-day operations of the company, and they were just absolutely kicked out with kind of no explanation and no reason. Yes, we have George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, uh, both of which had had uh, careers at the WWE, I want to say lasting the, uh, lasting the better part of a decade, maybe longer than that. And yeah, to your point, Dan, it sounds like these folks were fired. The quote from Vince McMahon, you know, the founder and chairman of the company, said, you know, I'm grateful uh, for all that was accomplished during their tenure, but the board and I decided that it was necessary as we have different views on how best to achieve our strategic priorities moving forward. I read that and I hear, hey, these folks were fired. Dan, you're a shareholder of WWE. What's been your reaction to this? Yeah, no, they were fired. I think there's absolutely no question they were pushed out the door and fired. What I don't see is any reason for it. I mean, look, WWE is in a weird position. Financially, they're doing great because of their new television deals. They will keep doing better as the demand for their product is on television is going up, but their audience is actually going down. They're having trouble selling tickets. Uh, they're, they're really in a weird place where people will pay more for their TV product, but they're probably at an all-time low in terms of customer interest. Yeah, absolutely. Dave Meltzer, uh, famously of the Wrestling Observer, someone who follows this industry very closely, has talked about uh, when you look at the live show part of this business, has really been struggling, and that has been uh, partially due to there's just so much wrestling content available on TV right now. We've talked uh, previously on this show about AEW. You know, AEW hasn't even uh, pursued a live show strategy, uh, so it's really a fundamental shift in this business. As the live shows that traditionally, you know, in the, in the, the early uh, parts of this industry, really really drove the business, now it's all dominated by TV, and, and we're seeing that shift take place. Yeah, and the challenge is it used to be, or the last few years where the sort of live shows not attached to television did not do very well, so they cut down on those. But the television tapings were still selling well and profitable. Now, they have to have the television tapings, but they're not always selling enough tickets to be profitable. And I think part of that is there is so much wrestling on television, and there are so many live options. I mean, you and I have been to, uh, we went to the inaugural AEW show. Um, I, I live in the neighborhood where MLW, Major League Wrestling, is based. They tape in Orlando all the time. Uh, WWE's own NXT tours all around Florida for a pretty cheap ticket. So it takes a lot to get me to go see wrestling. And maybe this firing or these two firings are just sort of an acknowledgement that they have to do something different to win the fans. But honestly, their problems are creative. They're They're not – delivering compelling storylines, that's a much bigger problem than anything I see on the business end. Yeah, right. I think we saw the stock really perform well off of these 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 new deals announced with Fox for SmackDown. I got a new deal with USA for Raw. This management, at least from what I have read, that was just let go, had a significant role in you know creating those deals and in you know, generating this revenue that's really going to propel WWE going forward. You look at Vince McMahon's quote uh, that you know they have different strategic priorities moving forward. Uh, his strategic priorities differ materially uh, from those executives that are let go. So, uh, when you look at clearly, this is this is a move to to shift the strategy of the company. You have any speculation as where this could push the company? What change of direction this might actually mean? I, I think it's very strange. I mean, so 
Vince McMahon is the leader of this company and he's the creative director behind every decision. But his track record as a businessman outside of wrestling is not very good. He's also 74 years old and about to launch the XFL. And while he has management running the XFL, some of his time is going there. So essentially, he's kicked the adults out of the room without putting replacements in. Now, maybe this means other McMahon family members, maybe Shane McMahon comes back to the company in an actual business role instead of an on-screen role. But this is not someplace people generally want to work for. He's considered a difficult person to work for. So it's not going to be easy for them to recruit top-tier talent. They had people who sort of figured it out. And I, I don't know. The business side was performing very well. And I can't blame either of these two fired executives for the fact that TV ratings are down and interest is lower. That wasn't their department. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is interesting timing as well, because you, you look at the wrestling business, WWE in particular, this is the middle of this ramp up uh, to WrestleMania. This is a really important time for the business, as well as you mentioned XFL, uh, you know, a week from tomorrow, we're going to air this episode on Saturday, a week from when this episode will air is the first first games of the XFL. So you've got a lot of moving parts moving in all Vince McMahon's business uh, operations uh, w- w- with these executives being let go. Obviously, a lot of question marks. On the XFL side, Dan, are you excited about getting this extra football after the Super Bowl? No. <laughs> I, I, don't think we need, I don't think we need more football. And I think the reality is the only more football that would make sense would be a developmental league where the third quarterback who signed to your team could get some playing time. To get a bunch of never-wases and never-will-bees playing football – I'm sorry. It's basketball season. It's hockey season. Um, it, it's you know college football off season with all the signings and stuff. I don't see any market or demand for this. Okay, I, I think I think I'm a little bit more optimistic uh, uh, on the XFL as you know a college <laughs> football fan. Get to see those guys that I watched watched in college, but we'll see how things play out. Obviously, you know the AAF uh, last year didn't even make it through the full season. I expect the XFL will do that, but. Uh, We'll see. Obviously, the, the the big sports news this weekend is the Super Bowl. Uh, it's expected to be in this, you know, as uh, legalized sports betting has grown uh, subsequent to uh, the Supreme Court lifting federal barriers. Uh, it's expected that this year will be a new record set in money bet on sports. And as we're seeing sports betting become more and more relevant in, in folks' day to day lives, we're seeing more and more consolidation in this space. FanDuel and, and this Flutter Entertainment has consolidated. We're seeing DraftKings uh, is set to come public next year. And the transaction, or later this year, DraftKings is set to come public. But then the, the news this week that was very exciting for a lot of folks is that on Wednesday, Penn National Gaming announced that it would take a 36% stake in Barstool Sports in exchange for $163 million, uh, $135 million in cash, and $28 million in uh, non-voting convertible preferred stock. And this is going to be behind uh, Penn National. We'll get exclusive rights to the Barstool brand and use in its sports betting products. And uh, we'll be rolling out a Barstool betting app uh, uh, over the summer. Dan, I, you grew up uh, with Dave Portnoy. Went to, you know, your family is, has known uh, his family growing up, and that's the, that's the founder of Barstool Sports. When, when you saw this news as a gambler and as someone who's familiar with this company, uh, what, what was your reaction? So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, David is actually one of my brother's best friends. And yeah, I've, I, we grew up in a very small town, so I know the family very well. And w- what surprised me about this is only that a legitimate publicly traded company is putting money into a somewhat controversial brand. Barstool has sort of made its business by David being controversial, by sometimes saying things that are a little over the line. And that's a bit risky. That said, 
with the sort of explosion that's coming in in sports betting, you need some branding. So to work with a company that has a huge dedicated audience makes sense because it used to be, and I go to Vegas a lot, sports books are very bland. There's nothing distinctive about them. There's, there's often not even food. Maybe there's a bar nearby. Maybe there isn't. This is a way for them to roll out an app to, to maybe roll out some in-casino presence that has a clear brand that has an audience. So it does make a lot of sense. But there is the wild card of you're now attached to a CEO who I'm going to call it his act is to be very outrageous. It's, it's, it's very much a, a Vince McMahon style character that that David Portnoy is playing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Barstool as a brand is very much personality driven. You know, I, I personally am a big fan of Pardon My Take, which is, you know, Dan Katz, uh, a big cat and PFD commenter. Uh, and they're they're very much, uh, you know, personalities that, that, that drive interest. And, uh, you know, uh, Austin Morgan, do you, do you listen to uh, to any of those any of those podcasts? What, are, what is your opinion on uh, on the Barstool brand? I'm a big fan of Barstool. Um, I listen to Starting Nine here and there, the baseball podcast, but not I don't listen to too many other podcasts, but them as a whole, as a brand, I enjoy. Yeah, and I think you you look at uh, at the Penn National folks. They're really going after you know folks from like like me and Austin. These these twenty to forty year old sports fans that are, that are interested in this business. I think Barstool started in two thousand three as a as a gambling related uh, magazine. So it's an interesting play on this this young audience uh, that that is particularly interested in sports betting. This brand that that has embraced that. Um, um, we'll, we'll see how things play out. Obviously, there's been a lot of excitement in the market. I think Penn National stock popped over over ten percent. Um, what should we be looking out for, Dan? Just more broadly on sports betting. I know, I know you focus on this industry industry very closely. Uh, what what would what could we see coming down the line that would really convince you this industry is really starting to take off? So here's the thing: I don't think this is the only one of these deals to be coming. Um, Barstool makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of personalities. Something David has done incredibly well is identify talent and have them build an audience. There are people who've left Barstool that have gone on to bigger things. Obviously, you mentioned some of the guys we all listen to. And those people will drive audience, be it to a betting app or casinos or whatever it is they do. I would expect this might heat up interest in The Ringer, uh, Bill Simmons's site, which has been rumored to be in talks with Spotify. Um, they might get a counter offer because they do a lot of gambling content. You see ESPN and Fox Sports doing daily gambling shows, which is driven by the legality of it. But you're going to need to stand out because just offering gambling is no longer unique, especially when it becomes app driven. So who knows? You might see, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings partner with a with a gambling outfit in some states. Maybe they'll even take bets there. In some places, maybe it'll just be branding. You're going to see more and more celebrities, brand names get tied into betting because from your living room in states where it's legal, you might have five or six choices, maybe a dozen choices in a couple of years. Absolutely. I think it, this this industry is really starting to evolve. Um, you mentioned the Ringer. You mentioned Bar Sport, Barstool Sports. Another one, another one that I'll call out to the Action Network. That's another one uh, that I'm really excited for. But I, I think you know, like we've seen in marijuana, where where you drop these regulatory barriers and this explosion of activity in the space takes place, uh, we're really seeing that start to happen happen in sports betting as it's become uh, legalized and uh, you know folks can really tar- start to talk about this openly. Um, on the on the area of a sports betting, we talked about the Super Bowl earlier, uh, the biggest sports betting weekend of the year, and about half of the bets placed on the on the Super Bowl are prop bets. So I thought it might be fun to go through a few of of, of the uh, the more the more interesting, more fun prop bets uh, for the game. Are you all up for that? Absolutely, absolutely cool. Well, first one we'll go with is my favorite one to do every year. It's the national anthem. 
the over-under is two minutes. How long will it take Demi Lovato to sing the national anthem? Dan, over-under, two minutes, and why? Uh, over. Uh, because everyone has to over-sing the national anthem and carry out every note. I, I'd say, I don't know, 10 minutes? <laughs> it's it, it's always the most preposterous performance. It's a really hard song to sing. They should probably just play the Whitney Houston recording every year, because I don't know Demi Lovato's music particularly well, but I'm not sure she's a naturally, you know, amazingly talented singer on the level it takes to pull off this song. So my guess is a lot of over-emotion and more than two minutes. Awesome, Morgan? Uh, I'm going to go over also, but I'm going to go barely over. I'm going to go like two minutes, 10 seconds, two minutes, 15 seconds. I think she's going to keep it tight. So we're going to make it a sweep, a sweep for the over here. I just think life's too short to bet the under. <laughs> I think if, if you, I mean, if you're the person singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, how often are you going to get a chance to do this again? You need to milk your opportunity and just, you know, show the world what you got. She's definitely done it. And at, Big sporting events before, but this is definitely the biggest. So I think she'll go a little bit longer than she usually does. Yeah. So I was looking at some analysis, you know, some you know hashtag analysis. Um, so so at the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, she went well over two minutes, but at all her other outdoor uh, national anthem sporting events were on the under. So if you want to look at those saber metrics there, suggest the under. But uh, you know, I think the Super Bowl is a little bit bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao. I think we're going to go for the over. Um, on to the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, you know, exciting. Uh, we have Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Uh, there's a betting line for, do you think Jennifer Lopez and Shakira will first address the audience in Spanish? Yes or no? Why? Oh, in Miami, you absolutely have to. Um, so I spent last night in Miami, and I'd say it's about 50-50 English-Spanish with all the signs and all the welcoming stuff. But I, I can't imagine you get on stage in that city and you don't you know, sort of represent a little bit. I'm going to agree. Jenny from the block is going to. She's going to break it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one that I saw that was really fun is uh, along those lines, talking about Jennifer Lopez, you know, Austin, Austin, big baseball fan here. Will they or will they not show A-Rod on the screen at some point during the game tomorrow on Sunday? 1,000% they will. Uh, is the game on Fox? Yes. Yes. So maybe not only because he's an ESPN personality. I'm, I'm going to say – I'm going to say they will, that's not but a bad. I think there's that's a pr- tiny possibility that's true. they don't. Well, Vegas has Vegas has uh, you know the favorite being him not being shown on TV. So Austin's got the value bet. Yeah, uh, I'm, we'll, thinking, we'll, I'm thinking they're going to show. I'm like, hey, uh, J Lo's coming up for halftime. Here's a Rod. Yeah, how can you not? How can you not? We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. We'll be watching for that. Uh, next one, uh, Joe Montana, obviously uh, historically great quarterback for the 49ers, finished his career with the Chiefs. Will the broadcast show a picture or clip of Joe Montana playing for the Chiefs at some point during the broadcast? Yes or no? Yes, because they're going to talk about Tom Brady and moving late in your career. uh, And I think Montana is the example they will use. I would say I think they're also going to. Yes. Y'all, we're agreeing way too much. Maybe this next one, maybe this next (laughs) one will be interesting. Uh, Moving away from the prop bets on bets of what's actually going to happen for the game. Who's your Super Bowl MVP and why? Patrick Mahomes, because he's a freak. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Is if somehow they won that game, I can't picture it not being because of Jimmy Garoppolo. 
So I, I think I think uh, the the Chiefs are going to win the game. I think I think Mahomes is likely to be the MVP. But because you know we've agreed way too much on here, I'm going to go I'm going to go with a fun uh, sleeper pick. I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert, running back for the 49ers. I think if you looked at the past uh, several games for the 49ers through through the playoffs, any any game where they're able to run the ball consistently and not have to throw the ball, they're going to do that. And so I think if the 49ers win this game, I think that defense is going to be able to contain uh, the Chiefs' offense. They're going to really run the ball into the ground. Do I think that's likely? No. No, but I think if the 49ers win this game, it's likely that Mostert and the running backs on that team really put up a great game. The problem is the Chiefs stopped um, Derrick Henry. And if you're stopping Derrick Henry, I don't think they're going to have a problem stopping Mozart. That's true. Although I will say, you know, the 49ers run that outside zone scheme, which is a little bit different than the Derrick Henry power running. But, uh, but, but you know, that's why we watch the game. This you never is know. The- it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. All right, so now let's get to the main event. Let's, you know, Dan, you, you, you've maybe teased it a little bit what your pick is going to be, but let, let's do our picks for the game. Uh, Vegas has the line set at the Chiefs minus one and a half points. What's your pick and why? Yeah, I, I, I honestly think Andy Reid gets his Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable. Uh, when they were down 24 nothing, I wasn't even mildly concerned. So at some point, I think they're just going to run away with it. Yeah, I'm gonna go Chiefs. Also, they they can score so fast and so easily. Too many weapons. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's finally a- Andy Reid gets his Super Bowl, uh, which I'm so excited for. You know, he he's been just such a, a just a figure in the league for such a long time. Has been so close, and I think he's finally got the team put together. And I'm excited for the Chiefs too. I mean, it's been 50 years uh, since they've won a Super Bowl, a really important franchise for the league. And so, you know, I, I'm hopeful that they win. But uh, we shall see. I think both these teams are fantastic. I think the 49ers defense is great. And, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, fantastic coach. I'm also a huge fan of Andy Reid's shirt choices. That, there was a prop bet for whether he was going to coach in a Hawaiian shirt. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it was like minus 10,000 that he was not going to. But if he does, that's uh, that'll be very exciting. Um, all right, y'all. So, so we we have given given you all some of our, our favorite uh, picks for the Super Bowl. If you're looking for more stock picks and recommendations, check out our stock advisor service. You get stock recommendations from David and Tom Gardner every month. Best buys now and a whole lot more. Just go to if.com, and we've got a special 50% off discount for our listeners. Check it out at if.fool.com. Dan Klein, thanks as always for coming on the show. We pulled you off the cruise ship. Uh, you know, you're a soldier. <laughs> thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Dan Klein, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and full on. Here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be a great game. I think the Chiefs are going to blow him out. But would it shock you if Kyle Shanahan figured out how to have, have Jimmy G put up 400 yards? Well, very good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention, please, for a very important announcement. And you can hear the announcement. Minutes, That's not great. No worries. Drill for full guest. Sorry, they'll stop in a few seconds. It consists of seven short blasts, followed by one long blast on the ship's whistle and internal alarm system. This drill is required by international law, and all guests <laughs> must attend whether you have... And unfortunately, I... I can't shut this off because it's an emergency kind of announcement. Safety information and instructions are posted in your stateroom. You will also find your assembly station letter and number in large print on the left side of your CPAS card. Each guest must have their CPAS card. Austin, can you use the in-house audio on this? Yes. Your assembly station.
If you're traveling with small children, please contact your stateroom attendant who will provide a child or infant size life jacket for you. Sorry, this is an endless announcement. It will be made 15 minutes prior to the drill, and at that time, all the service facilities will be closed in preparation for the drill and will not be reopened until the captain has dismissed you from your stations. This is also the first call for all persons now sailing with the navigator of the seas to proceed ashore using the gangway on deck four. A message to all crew involved in today's guest assembly drill. Please, please be at your stations by 3.45. Thank you for your attention and cooperation. Okay, good. I thought they were going to repeat it in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Now I think we're done. Excellent. Okay.